Hello, and welcome to the Keepers of the Flame podcast. This is a show to shine a light into the darkness, to empower women, their support networks, and our communities to weather breast cancer, because together we weather the storm. But on this ocean, every wave brings you closer to home. Hello and welcome to Keepers of the Flame podcast, where together we weather the storm. I'm Joyce Williams, your host, and this is episode number six, Read It, Sing It. In this episode, I'm going to share with you some books and songs to help weather your storm. This is by no means an exclusive list. This is just ones that I have come across that have been personally helpful for me, and I wanted to take the time to share them with you in hopes that they would help you as well. So we're going to talk about a few books and a few songs. The first book that I say that I want to talk about, it's really not so much a book, is it is an author. She is amazing, and I am a huge fan. Her name is Brene Brown, and if you have not heard of her yet, you should go and look her up. She is fantastic. She is a writer, a researcher, and her TED Talks have gone viral, and they're incredibly inspiring. And her books, she's written a handful of them. My top three favorites, I'm going to share just a little glimpse about them with you today. The first book of hers that I want to share with you guys is called The Gifts of Imperfection. Let go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are. This was such a good book for me to read because I am a perfectionist. I'm trying really hard not to be. But this book let me know it's okay to not always have yourself together. And it's, in fact, it's okay and even quite empowering when you're able to share that with those that are closest to you. When I was diagnosed with cancer for the first time, I thought that I had to sail through this journey, through all of my treatments as best as I possibly could. And I was terribly afraid of not meeting my goals, whatever I set out for myself. Because the way that I always approached a problem in my life was I had this goal and I will push hard and I will not stop. I I would be relentless. I would not let anything get in my way until I reached that goal. And I thought that I would always set these super unattainable goals. They were never realistic. And then when I was diagnosed with cancer, I remember having this huge breakdown over what does it mean if I can't reach this goal? Like I thought that I had to survive through this a particular way. And the truth of the matter is you don't. You just put one step in front of the other and you do the best that you can. And if you fall apart, that's okay. And this book just kind of helped me put that into perspective a little bit more. Here's a quote that she has from The Gifts of Imperfection. Brene Brown writes, The root of the word courage is core, the Latin word for heart. In one of its earliest forms, the word courage had a very different definition than it does today. Courage originally meant, quote, to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. Over time, this definition has changed, and today, courage is more synonymous with being heroic. Heroics is important, and we certainly need heroes, but I think we've lost touch with the idea that speaking honestly and openly about who we are, about what we're feeling, and about our experiences, good and bad, is the definition of courage. 
Heroics is often about putting our life on the line. Ordinary courage is about putting our vulnerability on the line. And in today's world, that's pretty extraordinary. That is what Brene Brown wrote in an excerpt of The Gifts of Imperfection. I think Brene's spot on with this. Prior to cancer, I never in a million years would have admitted that I didn't always have my shit together. I knew that I wasn't perfect, but I still strive to attain that goal. I somehow thought that if I pushed harder, I could eventually make it there. And that's just not the case. In Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection, Let Go of Who You Think You're Supposed to Be and Embrace Who You Are, it gives you that reminder and reassurance that perfectionism is not going to be attainable. It is okay to not always be okay. I was heavily guarded with my emotions at this point in time in my life, and I didn't want to open them up and to show the world that I was falling apart. But after reading this book and realizing that it was okay to be human, it gave me that moment to take a deep breath and know, hey, it's going to be okay. It's okay. And I wanted other women to know that there is this emotional piece that accompanies a cancer diagnosis as well. And when you reach out and you go to therapy, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's quite brave. And I applaud you for taking ownership and to work towards healing yourself emotionally. That's a big step. So to help other women recognize that, this is what I wrote in the midst of me trying to open up that shield that I had carried for so long and to let people see what the truth was, what the truth is about cancer. I wrote, so what happens when life gets messy and I don't know how to clean it up? Here's another layer of vulnerability. I've gone to see a therapist. I've been a handful of times now, long enough for her to quote, get me. And now that I'm up against some pretty ugly messes in my life, it's been helpful. I guess people don't ever want to admit that asking for help could prove beneficial in ways that you never thought. I was no different. There seems to be this thought or fear that people will think something is wrong with you. But y'all already know that I'm a damn delight. We all have layers to our personality and signs that we try to hide from the world. I am no different. I don't want anyone to ever know when my smile fades or when I feel defeated. I like to take my husband's advice and showcase vulnerability. Let there be power and strength within it. Aside from my high-strung, type-A, life-must-have-order kind of self, yep, cancer is trying to kill me too. And that, folks, is not just messy, it's kind of fucking sad. My smile does fade at that thought. Most of the time, I am hopeful and strong, but I am human and have tough days too. I'm learning that grief born from adversity isn't something that you can push through and find yourself unscathed on the other side. There is a piece of who I once was, both physically and emotionally, that has in some ways died. I will never again be the person that I was prior to my diagnosis. I am forever changed. I have scars, physical and emotional, and although they may fade over time, they have left their mark of newness upon me. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing either. I'm merely recognizing and sharing that even though everyone changes over time, when something in your life rocks your foundation and the ground that you have relied on for years slips a little bit, like a rug ripped from underneath you, the change you experience in yourself is accelerated and intensified. I have to let myself be happy when I am happy 
sad when I am sad, and somehow learn to not judge myself for that. I will make it through this storm. I don't know how or when or who I will be at that moment in time. However, I have hope. In the beginning, when I stood at the entrance to this darkness, I thought that I could leave a trail, breadcrumbs. I wanted to light the way for my girls and anyone else who may be traveling this spooky path and clutching their fear along the way. I wanted to make it better for them somehow, perhaps easier. Unfortunately, I'm also learning that there is no one way out. I can't show them the way because there are so many routes and they are as individual as the people taking them. The path you take in life is yours, it's your story, and nobody can do it for you. There is, however, a difference between walking your own way and being alone. You may have to be the one to walk, but this doesn't mean that you are without support. Have hope, have acceptance, and embrace yourself in your entirety. This little excerpt that I wrote from my own manuscript, Finding Courage, I was able to truly embrace and recognize those words that I wrote. It was coming straight from my heart. I was 100% authentic with this and letting people know that I didn't always have my shit together. I was not perfect, but that didn't mean I was weak and it didn't mean I couldn't do it. And it didn't mean that asking for help had any shame attached to it by any means. And a lot of me getting to this point was because of that book that I read of Brene Brown's, The Gifts of Imperfection, knowing that perfectionism doesn't exist. You can't get there. You got to read her book. It's really, really good. The second book of Brene's that I absolutely adored was It's Daring Greatly, How the Courage to be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lean. I'm telling y'all, I'm a big fan of hers. She talks in this book a lot about shame. She was researching how people get to have love and belonging, which is our, our ultimate goal, right? But in her research, she talks about how she ended up hearing a lot of stories about shame and how that kind of got in the way. In Daring Greatly, Brene talks about how connection, love, and happiness, those things that we want, that they all stem from vulnerability. She said that everybody has shame. Y'all, I've had my fill of that as well. And she says that when we experience it, that we need to be authentic with who we are. She says that empathy is that antidote to it. And then she also goes on to write and say that we must dare to show up and let ourselves be seen. She refers back to a quote from Roosevelt about being in the arena and having respect for those that actually get into the arena too. If you're not willing to put yourself in there and, and be all in and on the line, then I don't care what you think. In the aftermath of my cancer journey and as I'm reaching towards the survivorhood, I had so much shame towards any emotion other than the happy and grateful. And I hated the idea of sharing that. I wanted to keep that really close to my heart because how dare I feel anything other than this? I made it. Fear and sadness, grief. I had no room for any of those negative emotions or so I thought. I thought that sadness Fear and grief, I thought they were my enemies. So I really liked it when Brene Brown wrote in Daring Greatly, only when we're brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. The third book of Brene Brown's that I really like is called Rising Strong. How the ability to reset transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lean. I love this book too because she talks about when you dare greatly, which is what she talks about in the Daring Greatly book, 
But what happens if you do and you fall flat on your face? How do you get back up again? So that's another great book of hers. I will tell y'all that I suffered tremendously with perfectionism and people-pleasing. And even in reading her books, I had not quite mastered the skills of letting go of that yet. And I was still living with my own perfectionism and tendency to please people. They are very hard habits to break. And I started thinking, dang, is my sharing this incredibly personal, very vulnerable information about my cancer journey, is that somehow bad? And in one of Brene Brown's books, she explains how oversharing is not vulnerability. You know, you don't want to have that person that comes out and goes blah about all of their personal stuff with just anybody because that can be overwhelming. Totally get that. But then I had this fear of being that person and I didn't want that my vulnerability in sharing to overwhelm anyone else. In Brene Brown's books, she talks about marble jar friends. It's an excellent analogy. Go read her books. But for me, I was still troubled because I still couldn't seem to let go of my people-pleasing. Gosh, am I doing this right? What are they going to think? Am I terrible for saying this? I was torn because I knew that I wasn't sharing with just my closest people. I was telling the masses. I was telling anybody that would listen to me, hey, I had cancer. This happened to me. And if it could happen to me, it really could happen to anybody else. I got stuck between trying to please and not be that over-sharer person that I feared that I'd somehow morph into if I didn't do it just right. Hello, perfectionism at its best here. Anyhow, I was torn between that and then this incredible urge to share my story and efforts to protect other people. So I I emailed them. I emailed Brene Brown. I And I know that they can't respond back to everybody, but I actually did get an email back. It wasn't from her, but it was from somebody that worked for her. And I was very much encouraged by what she had said. She had told me that she thought that what I was doing was actually activism. My thought was, I'm, I'm sharing my story and in doing that, it's, it was literally, y'all, it was literally saving lives. Because here in my mind, here's how it worked. I shared this is happening to me. And then people ended up supporting me. People were aware of their own health. I had friends tell me, hey, I haven't had a mammogram done in years. I'm going to get it done. And then my neighborhood did this huge fundraiser for me. And then all the proceeds my husband and I took. And instead of keeping them, we donated them so that other women could get screenings done or receive the treatment that they needed. Here's the kicker, and I believe in, it's either in one of her books, I can't put my finger on which one it is, or or in one of her TED Talks where she explains this is the difference. Are you sharing this very vulnerable personal information with the masses in order to have shock effect, or are you sharing it for some other reason? For me, My motive was because I really wanted other women to hear me loudly and clearly. I wanted them to know, hey, you need to be proactive. You need to ask your own questions. Be vigilant. Cancer does not discriminate. So that was my motive. I even had a friend ask me, when did you decide to go public with your news? Because she was diagnosed as well and she didn't want to be perceived as weak or for begging for attention by any means if she shared this on Facebook. Y'all, never once did I see it that way. 
I just had this strong pull and this call inside of me to make sure that everybody knew that if this happened to me, it really could happen to anyone. I was wanting to shout that at the tops of mountains to anybody that would hear my voice, that you matter, so you need to make yourself a priority. Be that number one advocate. And also I wanted people to know that, yes, recognize this is undoubtedly hard, and I get that, but we can and we will rise from our falls. And I really want women to know that they are not alone. And I think that's what Brene Brown is saying as well. Yes, consider your marble jar friends, but then if you're explaining more than that, then you need to consider what your motive is for sharing on that larger scale. If I have not yet made this clear, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown. So go check out all of her books and uh, listen to her TED Talk so you can get an idea of the content that she has. It's really good and it was incredibly helpful during this time of my life. Another book that I want to share with you guys is called Pandora's DNA, Tracing the Breast Cancer Genes Through History, Science, and One Family Tree. It was written by Lizzie Stark. And Stark's family tree, it was just jam-packed with breast and uterine cancer. I think it was her mom, grandmother, great-grandmother, everybody, all the way throughout her family history, they were all plagued with this disease. And she was young when she did genetic testing and discovered that she had the BRCA gene. This was of particular interest to me because I haven't told you guys already, that's how I found out that I had cancer. I'm a biology nerd. I did genetic testing because I thought I might actually have that colon cancer gene. Turns out I didn't. And surprise, surprise, I had the BRCA gene. I did not have any family history. That's another episode. So I was intrigued and curious to hear what another author had to say about this BRCA gene. And I will tell y'all, Lizzie Stark, she does an amazing job and not just following this gene through her own family, but she talks about that science and that history of treatment as well. And here's how this book affected me in the midst of my treatment. It gifted me this incredible shift in perspective because somewhere in her book, she talks about, you know, the history of, of surgeries and I just have this image that she's describing of one of the first kinds of mastectomies that was done. And I just kept drawing parallels to what these women were going through and what I had gone through. I have a pretty detailed memory of the surgery room, of my first surgery. I see the table. I can see the lights. I see all those slicing and dicing things over on the side. They're sharp. And I saw people over there. They were probably counting them, but I imagined them sharpening them. And I had to crawl onto this table and they tightened the seat belt on me to make sure that I wouldn't move and couldn't get away. At least that's how it was perceived in my head. Anyway, this is not a good memory. Everything that I see, I can re-see it. I can re-feel it. This is an entry point for me of some trauma. And it haunted me for a long time. And then... Through the help of reading this book, Lizzie Stark's book about Pandora's DNA and and that piece about the history, it allowed me to have this shift in perspective where I could go, okay, it's not about all that I had happened to me or all that I had to endure. 
Rather, it was this this shift in going, okay, it's what I could have happened to me. It's what I could have happened in order to lengthen my life. Look at how far we've come with science. Look back at that book when, when Stark is talking about where it was. We're not there anymore. I get to be here at this point, at this juncture in time, thanks to all the science and all the history that came before me. And that was an empowering shift. And then to take a second and ponder, how far can we go? In the future, how much more of a change can we bring when we continue to push forward for a cure? That shift in perspective was freaking magical. And to be honest, I don't know that I would have been able to make that shift had I not read this book and had gotten a glimpse at that history and that science of breast cancer and surgeries. Again, that's Lizzie Stark's book, Pandora's DNA, Tracing the Breast Cancer Genes Through History, Science, and One Family Tree. All right, so I have also told you guys that in the beginning, I felt like I had to deny my emotions. And then I thought, all right, it's, I got to fight them. It's me or them. And then finally, after this long process, it took me a long time, but finally, I got to the point where it's really about acceptance. It's about recognizing that I am it all. That entire cookie dough batter that we talked about before where we have that raw egg folded in with everything else. I am the good, the bad, and the ugly. I get that. I know that we are all that way. We all have happiness. We all have sorrow. It's part of who we are. I get that. But I wanted to know, what am I supposed to do? How do I actually handle those emotions. If I have to accept them, how do I do that? The type A logical math oriented person that I am, I wanted a step-by-step guide. What do you do? How does that work? And this next book, y'all, this is it. The book is Boundaries for Your Soul, How to Turn Your Overwhelming Thoughts and Feelings into Your Greatest Allies. It's written by Allison Cook and Kimberly Miller. And this book, This book is that step-by-step guide. It has a faith-based element to it, which although I appreciate and I find value in, even if that's not necessarily your cup of tea, if you can kind of shake that away, there's scaffolding in there that can still be incredibly valuable to you. It gives you the how-to, how-to deal, how to address, how to accept, those negative emotions that you want so badly to not be a part of your life. Boundaries for Your Soul provides the scaffolding for how to address these parts, and that's huge. In the book, the authors, Allison Cook and Kimberly Miller, they talk about how you have different parts to your soul, to yourself. You have your providers, which include your managers and firefighters. The managers are the ones that they say are trying to always prepare and prevent bad things from happening. If you plan ahead and you do X, Y, and Z, then you can kind of keep the coast clear. Y'all, my managers, they work on overdrive. And then you have the firefighters. They are the ones that when life goes to hell in a handbag, they're the ones that put out the flames. With a cancer diagnosis, my firefighters were working on overdrive as well. And then they talk about the exiles. They're kind of the ones that your providers try to protect. For me... My exile that I kept relating to as I was reading this book, mine is fear, overwhelming, inescapable fear. 
in the very beginning of the book, they give a metaphor, an analogy, and it's about this bus. They say, imagine that you have this bus and all these little kids are taking turns at drive, driving and it's just mad crazy going on. And then all of a sudden, after enough crazy happens, the adult in the back seat calmly puts down the paper and walks to the front and takes control of the wheel. How does everybody else feel? Well, they're relieved, right? So they make that connection with, imagine that's what's going on inside of you. All of those little kids are the little different pieces to your soul, pieces to who you are. It's your inner critic. It's your fear. It's your joy. It's your firefighters. It's all of those little elements that make you up. And then who is the grown-up? Allison Cook and Kimberly Miller refer to that grown-up is the spirit-led self. And they say that in addressing your exile, so for me, I kept putting it in terms of how does this apply to my life. For me, it, would, it was my fear. So in addressing my fear, learning how to accept that, come and talk to fear, use your imagination, personify fear, and say, hey, what's going on? But coming from that grown-up perspective, and when you're trying to address that exile, for me, fear, I love this part. They give the barometer of how do you know if you're doing it right? If you start talking in your mind, using your imagination, personifying fear, and talking to fear to see what's going on, if something else comes up in your mind that is anything other than curiosity or compassion, then the authors say that you have met another little child on the bus. You've met another piece of yourself. For me, here's what was going on. I would go, okay, I'm terrified. All right, fear, what's going on? Thank you for being who you are, but try and have this conversation. I'm still not great at that part. But anyway, here's who would start waving their hands in my face going, look at me, look at me. It was always my inner critic. Don't be afraid. Don't look at them over there. Look, you shouldn't feel this way because of blah, 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 blah. Once I read this book and I realized that there's a barometer out there and I was not approaching talking to my fear with anything other than compassion and curiosity, then I knew that my spirit-led self, that grown-up on the bus, no longer had the reins. Instead, it was my inner critic that was trying to take control. Boundaries for your soul, how to turn your overwhelming thoughts and feelings into your greatest allies, gives you those directions of how to accept fear, sadness, and grief, rather than trying to fight them or deny them. This is the answer to the how-to. Okay, I know I have to accept them, but how do I do that? They give some really great tips in this book. A few quotes that I love from here in the introduction, they write, Mature love is extending hospitality even towards the parts of your soul that are angry, fearful, anxious, or sad. I love that. Hospitality to those feelings that I hated, that would really require me to come at it from that grown-up, from that spirit-led self. On page 56, they write, It may be that these very parts you once wished would go away hold the key to your freedom and joy. Imagine that. There really is a point to my fear and my sadness. I know there is, folks. I know it. It's just having that moment to kind of wrestle with and understand it a little better. That's the hard part. In page 155, they write, Your sorrow 
can inspire new chapters of purpose and creativity in your life. And then on page 165, another one of my favorite quotes from the book, they write, Sadness, when transformed in the presence of your spirit-led self, becomes your compassion and strength. All right, I got it. I'm motivated. Let's turn to these negative emotions. Let's turn to these exiles. Let's look at it from our spirit-led self, and let's try to address them and see what's going on. Y'all check out this book, Boundaries for Your Soul, How to Turn Your Overwhelming Thoughts and Feelings into Your Greatest Allies so that you can have a better idea of that scaffolding of how to actually address them. Another book that was incredibly helpful for me, a friend gave me, she was diagnosed shortly after me and I kind of walked her through her journey step by step This is what to expect now. This is what comes next. And she and I just had this instant connection. After she had her surgery, another, a mutual friend of ours, she set up a a meal train for her as well. So I took my friend a meal this one day. And when I did, she gave me a book. And it was a book that was really helping her get through her trials. And she gave it to me and wrote this sweet little note in the beginning The book is called, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, Finding Unexpected Strength When Disappointments Leave You Shattered. It's written by Lisa, and I I don't want to butcher her last name. It's Turkerst, I think. It's T-E-R-K-E-U-R-S-T. And the author in this book, she talks about how she was dealing with a ton of life-altering things that would seemingly shatter somebody. She was having marital problems, had some medical issues, and then turns out, of all things, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. In this book, Lisa writes on page 36, feeling the pain is the first step towards healing the pain. That quote is huge, folks, because so many of us try to push it down and ignore it. That was me. That's what I tried to do for so long, and it didn't work. So she's right about that. And then on page 78, she says, and I like this, she says, we are imperfect because we are unfinished. And I love that too, because life is a journey. It is an entire process. And every day we are becoming a better version of ourselves. We're not perfect now, nor will we be tomorrow. We are imperfect because we are unfinished. That was her quote on page 78. But out of this entire book, perhaps my most favorite thing is an allegory that she wrote. When my friend handed me this book and the sweet little note that she had written in the beginning, she told me that I needed to turn to page 216 and read the allegory called Upside Down. It's a conversation between God and Jesus. God tells Jesus to this about this girl who is kind and compassionate, it's a really great person, kind soul, And he says, upside down for her. And Jesus says, well, are you sure you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? It might make her question things. And this is this conversation between God and Jesus about why he's chosen her for that. Here's an excerpt from the allegory. And the excerpt I'm reading from starts on page 220 and goes to page 221. Lisa writes, again, the book is called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. Lisa writes, And again, this is the allegory. So this is in her allegory. This is gone talking. The excerpt reads, You won't know why this and that are happening, but there is a part of the why 
you will come to know. Look around and you will see the part of why I do want you to know. You'll find it in the eyes of every human you brush up against or bump into or barrel over or dare to embrace. In their eyes will be a secret sorrow, a deep wound, a scared child. You were made to connect with that person, really connect, but you'll never ever connect with your perfections and performance. All that slick and shiny about you repels them or scares them or makes them shrink back. But your tears, oh, they are liquid magnets drawing others in. They are a river of reality, a healing for hurts, a bonding for brokenness. You see, it's through your tears that people are united. It's what makes you a safe person to others when you simply whisper, me too, me too. The authors go on to write in the allegory, perfection intimidates, compassion inspires. And in that, you will finally find the why. Why did this happen? Because there's someone else in the world who would drown in their own tears if not for seeing yours. And you, when you make one other human simply see they aren't alone, you make the world a better place. Do y'all know how many times I've read this excerpt and have bawled my eyes out? It made me really feel, okay, my pain, my pain's going to matter. It's not for nothing. I have one more book that I want to share with you guys, and it is a classic from my childhood days. It's a children's book. It's called, Oh, the Places You'll Go, written by Dr. Seuss. When I graduated from high school, our 12th grade English teacher read it to us at our award ceremony, and I knew that it was a good book. But in my 18-year-old brain, where I'm constantly thinking, I gotta be at the top of my class, I gotta get straight A's, perfectionism had its clutches into me deep. It didn't sit too well with me then. Why was she reading a book where the kid, which is supposed to be me, only succeeded 98 and three quarters percent guaranteed? No, I wanted to I wanted to succeed for sure, for certain. Let me at this world. But for any of you listening who have truly lived, who have loved, who have lost, who have experienced that unpleasant thud as you fall to your face and bleed, when you hurt a newer, previously unfathomable level of pain physically or emotionally, then you know as much as I do how spot on this very, very wise children's book actually is. In life, you do have your highs and you have your lows too. Seuss even captures this in one of his pages of this very classic book. He writes, but on you will go though the weather be fell. On you will go though your enemies prowl. On you will go through the haken crakes howl, onward up many a frightening creek, though your arms may get sore and your sneakers may leak. Well, I didn't want my sneakers to be leaking. I didn't want to be on this boat. I didn't want to be on this rocky sea. I may not have wanted this peace to my pilgrimage. I may have wanted to carve it off of me, but I'm wiser and I'm stronger because of it. And just like everything else in this book, you're going to have your lows and you're going to have your highs too. It's a great book. And even as adults, I think that we can walk away with so much wisdom from this book. So even if you haven't read it since you were a kid, grab it, pick it up, and read it again and again and again. 
I also have a few songs that I wanted to share with you guys as well. There's so many great inspiring songs out there and these are just just a few of them. One of them is This Is Me, sung by Kiala Settle and the Greatest Showman Ensemble. I love this one because it helps me truly embrace the fact that yes, I have scars. I have some pretty good physical scars, but I have those emotional ones too. And you know what? It's okay. I'm going to own who I am. And I really like the part of the song when they sing, when the sharpest words want to cut me down. And I want to insert in this part, whether or not those sharp words are either by my own voice or from a loved one, because I can be pretty harsh on myself. I am, a, I am my worst critic. And if I throw those sharp words at myself, remember, as the lyrics continue, I'm going to send a flood, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. And I love that. Own you. This is you. Own every bit of it. There's not a darn thing wrong with you. Scars and all. Own it. Embrace them all. Embrace and love any and all brokenness that you have. It's part of what actually makes you whole. Another song that I just fell in love with is one from an old movie, Pete's Dragon, where Helen Reddy sings Candle on the Water. I love this because, of course, it goes along with my whole idea of Keepers of the Flame and the Lighthouse and recognizing that you can make it through your own storm. Just have hope and look to the light in the distance and know that together we will weather it. And all of that combined, when you listen to the lyrics of this song, of the candle on the water, this is what I would imagine every angel up in heaven sings and says to those that they're guarding. It's, it is really quite powerful. And one of my favorite parts of the whole song is when they say, a cold and friendless tide has found you. Um, yes, it has. Definitely cancer qualifies. And then they go on to say, don't let the stormy darkness pull you down. Nope have hope. And listen, go go play yourself that song and listen to those lyrics and, and really paint yourself a picture of you on this rickety old raft trying to sail through these troubled waters and making it to the other side. And then imagine that lighthouse in the distance and imagine the angels just picking you up and singing this song to you. Another one of my kick-butt songs is Rachel Platten's song. This is my fight song. I'm sure many of you guys have heard that one before. I know it's, it's played a lot on the radio for all good reasons. It is a fantastic song. This is the one where I'll be out running and I just kind of pick up my, fa- my pace even faster and faster because I'm going to make it. I've got a lot of fights still left in me. I'm going to do it again and again. I'm going to keep on going. It's just a pretty empowering song. And then, of course, I love Miranda Lambert's Keeper of the Flame and because I love metaphors. And she says in there, you know, I'm bent, but I'm not broken. So true. When you're going through this, you might feel like you're going to be, you're going to snap in two, but you're not. You're not broken. And then I think my all-time favorite part of that song is when she says, I don't do it for the glory, but for those little pilot lights waiting to ignite like fireflies in the rain. That is my favorite piece of this whole thing because that's the why for me. That's why do you continue to talk about this and to try to spread awareness and make a podcast and write a book? Why am I doing all this? So that that next person doesn't feel as alone. Those are the pilot lights in my mind. That's what it translates to in my heart. 
And then the last song that I'm going to throw on here that I just want to kick off my shoes and dance to is sung by Anna Kendrick in the hit movie Trolls. It's Get Back Up Again. And I love Poppy. That's what, I mean, if I was a cartoon, that's probably who I would try to be. Completely full of positivity and optimism and ready to conquer the world. And I just love that song because things just keep happening to that poor little troll. And yet she keeps getting back on up again. And I, the part of the song that I love, I can't separate the song from the image from the movie And Poppy is going through this blizzard and everything imaginable is happening to her. And she says, and I haven't been this excited since. I can't remember when. And I just love that part because that's how I felt a lot of times was life just kept weighing me down. But I kept putting one foot in front of the other. That's it, guys. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And do what you can one step at a time. This is my list of read it and sing it. Those books and songs to help you weather your storm. There are plenty of other really good books and songs out there as well. This is just a selection of them. That being said, I hope that you'll enjoy these books and songs as much as I have. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm looking forward to speaking with y'all again soon. Until then, remember that together... We weather the storm. You are never alone.